Welcome back to the Nassman Hockey Podcast. John Zella, James Nichols back with you. Uh, so James, I was drumming on the desk before while you were getting ready and you had asked me what what it was and I'm preparing for the release of the new Blink-182 record. Is that is that a band that you, and we, we may have talked about this before, is that a, uh, as a fellow drummer, is that an influence for you when you were playing in of bands course. and stuff? Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody wanted to be Travis Barker, especially those who play drums that are our age. So right. um, I always did my best to do uh, whatever Travis Barker did. But I think I've told you this before, and I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I'm not like, I'm not like a trained drummer. Like I'm all by ear. Like ask me to read sheet music. It's not going to happen. Can't Same. do that for the, for the life of me. But, um, you know, I just listen and I play. And it's funny because like I'll watch youtube videos and be like oh yeah i do know how to play this song i'm playing it correct i just you know started trying to do it by sound and then you know translated to my own kit but um yeah travis barker is definitely one of those guys who i uh replicated my my drumming after for sure yeah i'm, I'm the same way self-taught uh by ear all of that um definitely tried to emulate him i, I never really had the the chops necessarily uh but it was always cool to, you know, when you could play one of the songs or something like that. It was very fun. There's also yeah. um, an app. I don't know if you know this. This is going to be uninteresting for anybody who's not a drummer. Um, but there's this thing called Drumio where it teaches you the song. And then they have versions of the song with and without the drums so that it, you could play along to just the, the rest of the song without the drums. Or you can play along with it. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Kids these you days, get, they have it easy. They have it easy. They don't have to um, download something off of uh, LimeWire that may or may not have been the song um, on dial-up and then burn it to a CD. And yeah, what a what a time. But the new the new Blink record is coming. Um, there are bits and pieces of it that have come out. Before we start the show, I think this is important. Um, top three Blink records. And in, including uh, uh, EPs, if you if you'd like. Oh man, that's N- in no particular order. All right. Um, well, definitely. I mean, obviously, Enema of the State, right? Because that was like that was like the one that like put them on the on the map. Um, or no, well, yeah, that was that was the one that like put them on the map. I mean, you could like whichever then... ones you you want you don't have to do it by whether or not they were popular i'm not saying what you think well, the best no, no. ones are like your favorite ones yeah yeah, no i know i'm just saying like for for me that's like the way i think of the, the timeline is that's the one that put them on the map um although dude ranch was also pretty popular um so that one that one's really that one's up there too and then take off your pants and jacket like those those i feel like those are the three Right, those are the those are the ones that everybody's like, yeah, those are the the records. I really like the self titled one, uh, the two thousand three release. That um, yeah, that's a good one. That one was really good. It was I thought it's a a very mature step in a in a in a good direction. Um, Twelve year old John really appreciated that album. Um, Takeover bands and jacket for sure. Um, I like Enema. I think that's a honorable mention. It maybe should be higher. I really like to go something much newer, although it's not very new anymore. They had an EP called Dogs Eating Dogs, and it was very good. That's what I was listening to before. Um, yeah. It was a short EP. It came out after Neighborhoods, which is also good. Um, those might be my three A, three B um, picks, Enema and, and that EP. I, I think we're really good again i i just i don't mind the silly stuff i but i'd like to see progression with them yeah um yeah this uh, this new album seems all over the place um as it should be because they haven't played music together in 10 years so um not what i expected but everyone's just excited which i think is good yeah this new i actually haven't gotten a chance to like sit down and really listen to it but from what i've heard so far it's pretty good yeah, it has it definitely so far out of the five songs, four or five, um, they definitely 
have their moments where it's it's really good. I, I think it's just going to be a it's really long. I think it's 16, 17 songs. So it's, well, it's definitely going to have things uh, <laughs> where, the, you know, there's good reactions from from older fans and newer fans that maybe just like them over the last four or five years with that Skiba and they don't really know the old blink. Um, I think it'll have a little bit for everybody, which is cool. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. A little bit of nostalgia mixed in, never hurt. Um, to the ice. We have hockey games to discuss for a change that means yeah. something. Um, the Islanders have won their first two games of the season. They're 2-0. and um, Before getting to, into some of the specifics, although it, this may just digress and that's completely fine, um, what are your overall thoughts from the first two games? Anything that stood out that we should be concerned about? Um, what did you like from those first two games? Knowing, of course, that there's not a whole lot that we can get, um, but you hope, all right, let's identify some trends, good and bad, and and see what changes going forward. Yeah, so good question. Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today because I had a feeling the question was coming up. Um, I, I know you so well. But, um, you know, I think it, there were two very different games. I look at the first game and I, I think, you know, a lot of the off season was talking about, you know, how could the Islanders not, you know, make any upgrades? How could they not add yada, yada? Um, th there's no depth scoring. They need a forward. They come out in game one and score three goals. Brock Nelson looked great. Kyle Palmieri looked really good. Um, Casey Zeke is in the fourth line, get the game winner. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, the Islanders are old or are, are back, right? And it's overreaction season. So, you know, everyone's going to overreact quickly. You know, they're doing it in New Jersey with Timo Meyer. Like it's, it's, it's that time of year. Um, but I thought it was a statement for them to come out. And, you know, with all the question of like, how could they not have added any scoring? They, they need not only primary scoring depth, but secondary scoring depth. Um, and, and maybe that second score, secondary scoring depth comes within uh, if they add some primary but they didn't. So what is this, you know? And um, then game two, you know, I, although I, I, I don't think that Arizona is a, a bottom feeder this year. I think they're going to be sneaky, good, a pesky, scrappy team. They only put up one goal. Now, Karel Vishmelka, to his credit, excellent goaltender. I think he's underrated. I don't think he's talked about enough because of probably where he plays, but he's, he's a legitimate, legitimate goaltender. And just, you know, checking Muddy Puck right now, um, he made 1.49, so almost one and a half um, goals saved above expected, which is pretty good. Um, the Islanders put up like 34 shots. Um, they were expected to, you know, score 2.8 something goals, almost three goals that game. They only scored one. Um, so credit to Vizmelka, but at the same time, you begin to wonder, okay, is this now, now we have literally two different, completely different samples. One where they score three goals to get the win. Another where they relied on maybe not too heavily Sorokin to get a shutout because it was only 14 shots, but um, you know, Barzell scores the only goal on the power play, which is another plus, but you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, three goals in one game, one goal in another averaging two, the Islanders are going to need to score more, more goals than two on average per game. Go back to, you, you made comment about really the second line getting going. I believe Palmieri and, and Nelson got goals. Um, and then Suzuki's got the game winner against, um, against Buffalo. I think really it, it, the way that I see it anyway, is that good teams, it's not, there's, there's, primary and secondary scoring i don't think there's any disagreement there but when you're talking about the first two lines they're the ones that can alternate so i don't mind that the second line drove the scoring in in the in the first game the first line gets one uh that turns out to be the only one in game two i don't mind that i don't think very rarely are they both going to be on but the problem in the past with the Islanders is that when they've needed somebody to kind of step up, and maybe this is your point, 
um, in these tighter games, it's been harder to find it. Only one line is going at a time. And that's probably fine on most nights, but you do need both of them to click together when it's when you're when you're playing uh, who I don't know what the Boston Bruins are doing this season, but really good teams. You're playing a Vegas Golden Knights. You're playing a Boston Bruins. You're playing whatever the case is, the Carolina Hurricanes. You you just you need somebody else to step up. I don't mind if it's one at a time occasionally. Um, I think that's the, a normal cadence, but they need to gel together. They all need to be able to find it on a single night against good teams. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I, I could understand that. You know, the other thing, too, is, and, I, and I'm just thinking about this now, um, you know, looking back at, at who they played, they played the Buffalo Sabres and they played the Arizona Coyotes. The Buffalo Sabres are, you know, they were exciting last year. Everybody was watching the Buffalo Sabres because they were putting on a show. And I, I feel like there's a little bit of that in the Coyotes this year. You know, they got Logan Cooley, Clay Keller's still there. Um, they bring in Matt Dumba. They have uh, Sean Dursey now. And, and, you know, again, Bishmelk is a really good goaltender. I feel like there's a little bit of that going on in Arizona, too. So for the Islanders to kind of say, hey, kids, we still are, you know, the top dogs around here. That was a pretty big statement for them. I, I, got, I got to give them that credit. I didn't think of that until this very moment. Um, I agree with I, that. I, I, I thought they yeah. were. I thought they were trap games. I know it's early in the season. There's really nothing going on. They had a, a long time in between. They played Saturday night and then Tuesday night. Um, so there was a, it's not there. They haven't picked up that regular cadence yet, which maybe have something to do with, you know, lag and scoring. They, they really do just have to get um, in game shape. But I thought they were trap games against. I think that it was something that I did want to mention. So happy you brought it up early. Um these these kind of younger exciting teams or up and coming teams um and the islanders aren't just a veteran a team full of veteran players this is a team that has played together a very long time we've talked about turnover and that's important but so many of them have been there for a very long time and when players come in they're fitting into a culture and it's really important that they came out and just won those games. They they have to be able to play these teams that have not been together, that are up and coming, that that have yeah. something to prove. And, and exactly to your point, the Islanders kind of get to walk away saying, we're the top dogs. We know what we're doing. Um, this is just another day in the office. So right. I, I think that they could have very easily, we could have, we could have been, recording this episode down oh two and saying hey, it was just a bunch of young teams coming out they had something to prove against you know it's like it's, it's almost like a win-win for the islanders eh, it's two games in the season you know they're they could have lost the games four to two or you know like or whatever right uh oh this is clicking this isn't working you can pretty much have the same episode um but it is nice to bank those points ahead yeah, of time yeah. it's, a, it's a it's abundantly clear that this is the better side of the, the grass to be on for sure yeah i mean and and just watching the game it's like you know again having starting this conversation from a thirty thousand foot view um it definitely looked messy in a lot of parts ex especially against the the sabers um and i was i was bartending at the time so i wasn't able to watch uh with my full attention but the, the pieces that i that i had a chance to to pay attention to uh a little more fully it it did seem really messy it seemed like it was kind of a lot i was not barn burner you know there wasn't a lot of goals but i think the islanders were up to nothing my and then and then buffalo came back and then yep so it that's one of those things where like that can't happen that that needs to be a 3-1 game with an empty net instead of yeah a 3-2 game now they pulled it off and they've kind of consistently done that going back to last season they they found ways not like they did a few years ago um, where I was never really worried about it. Um, but they do find ways to win. That, that's, that's a veteran team. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this about the first game. You know, they go up 2-0 in the first period. The second period, uh, I believe it was Jordan Greenway scores um, to, to pull them within one. And then very early in the third period, 
uh, they score again, Casey Middles that, and you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, here, here we go. Like the classic Islanders folding late in the game. However, to their credit, they put the foot on the gas and, and instead of playing on their heels, they, they took it to the Sabres and uh, eventually halfway through that, that third period, you know, it worked, uh, worked out in their favor and, and Sezikis in the fourth line scored that goal. So um, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see them take control of the game late in the third period, rather than play on their heels and, and uh, try not to make a mistake rather than just play the game. We already touched on some of the goal scoring. Are, do you think there's going to be an uptick? I, we're predicting a little bit and we're, we're kind of just really speculating on what, what could be going on here. Do you think it's the same old Isles and it's going to take, I don't know, scraping and clawing all season long? Or do you see some chemistry building and eventually it's going to go in? Um, I think there's definitely going to be an uptick in, in production here. You know, just taking a look at the, the shots between the two games, Bo Horvat in, in that first game had eight shots on net. He's a volume shooter. That's, that's just what he's going to do. He's going to take a lot of shots. Um, they're not all going to go in, but, you know, that's what he does. Barzell had three shots in the first game. He's shooting a lot more. Uh, Paul Mary was, you know, back to his usual ways, you know, shooting four on net. Um, and then the following game, you had, you know, Sebastian Ajo stepped up for for uh, an injured Scott Mayfield. Five shots. He looked really good in that game. Noah Dobson, another five shots. He's a he's a volume shooter from the blue line. Uh, Nelson doing his thing, shooting four pucks. Barzell shot four pucks. Like, I do I do see a path here for an uptick in production. And I think it, it definitely starts with that first line with Barzell and, and Horvat, those two guys. It looks like Barzell's got this shoe first mentality for sure this year. I texted you yesterday after he scored. I said Alexander Barzell uh, as a joke because he, he scored that goal from uh, Ovechkin's office on the power play. Now it was you know a floater over the uh, the, the, the goaltender's shoulder, but um, yeah, it it definitely uh, definitely looks like there is a path here for them to uh, to, to score more and, and to put more shots on net. I think some of that too, and, and let's concentrate on the, on the first line. I, and I do want to go through kind of all the lines in the defense and, and, and dissect a little bit more. Um, I think some of the path forward for that first line might just come from Holmstrom shooting as well, because you there, know, there was a, there was a, uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll follow up in a second. Well, he, he looked really good. And, and like you look at some of the, the, the nerd stats here. He's at the top of the charts for, you know, um, game score and the expected goals and, 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 you know, the Corsi and everything. And, you know, I think, I think even you and I had the conversation of like, okay, we're just sticking anybody on this first line, seeing, you know, what sticks. And it kind of looks like Lambert threw this one at the wall and it stuck. Uh, Barzell had a lot of good things to say about him, you know, going a lot of of protection and well, it's, it's nice. I mean, he's not going to say that the guy stinks, right? But, it is nice no. to kind of see, you know, even if he wasn't playing well, he's just like, oh, he's really, you know, giving it 110% out there. Um, <laughs> but he, he was, it seemed very genuine, like his puck protection, his ability to kind of see the ice and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say is I'm seeing a lot of, very, on the good side of with Holmstrom, I'm seeing some confidence building with the passing. He he is able to kind of find these open areas. It seems like he's very comfortable with them. His IQ can keep up with with Horvat and Barzell, and I think that's really important. Um, he's able to kind of make these very short, good passes. On the other side of that coin, though, he's clearly thinking pass first. So there was a gif from Isles Fix against Buffalo, and it is Holmstrom just down the LIE right right headed right <laughs> for the goalie and Barzell right. is kind of off to the side and I think it was a clever play but it was in real tight by this point so I, I like the idea I like that the chemistry is there that they feel that they can do this but Holmstrom gives the puck to the outside to Barzell who doesn't really have a good angle 
and does get the goalie moving, I think it's really important. Um, this is, a, I think, a, a really shifty, crafty line. And you're going to see a lot of empty net goals for that line because they're able to kind of move that puck and, and move around the ice. You're going to see a lot of tap-ins. Um, Barzell can also snipe and Horvat can too. But I think they're going to be able to pass so well, you're going to just see them kind of lay up goals here. Um, but in this situation, that that couldn't happen. Barzell's way to the outside. He's a righty. Puck's near the boards. Um, doesn't really have an angle. He looks immediately to, and, and tries to cross the puck to, I believe it's it's Horvat. Um, I couldn't get a number there. Um, I would have liked to just, it, all that's to say, I would have loved to see Holmstrom just shoot that puck, um, even to get a rebound. Like, strategic, if, if you're not going to shoot to score, um, which from that, you know, right right in the middle hash marks there, I, I j- just, yeah, do something. But get the puck to the net and and either shoot for a rebound or whatever and and go from there just you just have to hit the net like that's your that's all anybody's asking to try to set that play up and not kind of look to your left and see okay that guy's covered even if i get it to barzell there's no way to get it over just someone that's crashing the net it's just not gonna work and that's exactly what happened tied up couldn't you know couldn't really get the pass off i had maybe the goalie got a piece of it with his pad i can't remember um so that's my Holmstrom has looked really good on the passing. And even that pass is really good. Real short, right to Barzell's tape is like three and a half foot pass. But those are important. I just like I just like to see him shoot. Like I want that confidence on the passing side of the game to be, you know, uh that killer instinct. I want him to also build that confidence in shooting the puck. Yeah, he, he definitely isn't, you know, a shoot first mentality. He's only got one shot through two games. Um, but you're right, you know, he, he, whether it's that strategic shooting or shooting to score. I mean, listen, we saw last year he scored a couple of goals where, you know, even you and I said to each other, like, holy shit, this guy's got a shot. Like, that was a howitzer. Like, he, he's underrated in, in the shooting department, I would say. So um, as, if he had a little more confidence to do that and, and get pucks on net, Listen, I'm not saying he's a first-line player, but, you know, the Islanders might be cooking up something with Holmstrom on the first line. Yeah, I, I don't – it may have been a little – here's, you know, Lemro just says, here's what we have, and Wallstrom is in a fit um, on the on the left wing there. They, they really don't – they want to use Lee as a last resort kind of deal um, to kind of, as you said earlier, provide a little bit more depth – um, and beef up that third line with with some scoring, um, and, and you know I guess a little bit more of a threat. You have two guys that are just going to get that puck to the net, and you have Lee cleaning it up. I, I don't think that's a bad uh, strategy. Um, no. And you have a guy that is is really skilled, and and maybe could just benefit as as much as I'm hesitant to throw a young guy that he's played I think under 100 NHL games. Um, so I'm hesitant to throw somebody on that line. It just Proven 52. not to 52. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's part, you know, over a few, uh, two seasons, right? So he played last yeah. year, nine points in 50 games. Eh, that's tough. Um, we, we did see some good things. Um, he didn't exactly light up, uh, the AHL either, but it's good. You're, you're clearly seeing something there. Um, they're able to kind of move the puck. So I, I, that could be something. I don't think all is lost here, in other words. Um, on Barzell for a second, anything specific that you've seen from other than shooting? Um, he's on the wing. We're obviously getting a little bit different perspective from him. Um, what have you noticed from his game just on that shift to the wing alone? Dude, it's like I said to you when he cut his hair, it was like, He's officially assumed that title tank Barzal. And now it's, you know, you're seeing it on the ice. Like, dude's aggressive. You know, he, he's winning puck battles along the boards. He's playing hard. And, you know, he's just, we, he was a puck possession monster before. I think he's doing it even more now. You're really seeing him. And, and it's funny, he actually, I don't think we mentioned this. He switched from the right wing to the left wing. It was his per, his preference. And Lambert said, yeah, go for it. Um which puts Holmstrom on his natural wing now. He's a he's a right winger. So, um, 
you know, you're seeing him more comfortable. You're seeing him with less responsibility as a center. You're seeing him just being able to focus on his strengths. And I think that's just resulting in overall a better player. Um, I've been saying it for years. I know Barzell has the skill to be amongst the elite players in this league. It was just a matter of being able to, one, find a line mate to help free things up, and and two, you know, finding that confidence to do it. And I think you're starting to see that so far this year. Again, it's just two games, overreaction season, whatever you want to say. But he looks really good, really strong. I'm, I'm confident that, you know, this could be his best season yet. I think there's an opportunity there for sure for him to have not a breakout season, but um, breaking out of his, of the shell that he's kind of been in the last few years. We, we, we know what he's capable of, you know? It's interesting for us to have to sit here and say, if only he could be the way he was as a rookie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there, um, I don't remember if he was a winger then. Um, I think he was playing center, maybe a few stints on the wing, but I think mostly center. I, I can't remember. I don't know where the room would have been because Nelson was there. Tavares was there. I don't remember who the third line center was at that. At, Might have been him se- for a little bit. I don't know. I think he was playing in the top six. No. Who would have been? The thir- when, when did he come in? Seventeen, eighteen. Uh You know, I always wonder if there is a website out there that tracks you know deployment the way they do uh 2017-18 was his rookie season yeah so 2017-18 islanders would be pretty easy to tell who the uh who the third line center was i I, for whatever reason i'm super blanking on on who that would have been Oh God, Shane Prince is on that team. <laughs> wow, we're we're gonna dive deep here for a second. Um, wow, it is not clear at all. Could Alan Quine, Shane Prince? Yeah, I thought he played the wing too. That's what I'm saying. Um, it, it very easily could have been Brock Nelson as the third line center. Then was that the kid I'm, line with Strom around? Right, Strom Nelson Lee. Got Kuhlman was around. Was Seems Strom like that's what it is. Strom was not on the team at that point. Oh, he was already. Everly was there. He was already traded for Everly. Yeah, the hockey reference has Josh Bailey listed as a center, but that's what I'm saying. I think I think it Bar- Barzell. Regardless, I think it was Barzell, Tavares, and and Nelson down the middle nelson might have been even without strom that third line center i don't think he had broken out to be the goal scorer he is now just yet at that time wow all right so i'm going back and looking barzell was the second line center nelson was the third line center behind barzell that is that is crazy i god i just want to read this line up i this is i whether or not this was even true this is looking back at, at daily faceoff um from uh, from a few years ago um lee tavares everly lad barzell bailey <laughs> oh my god that was when they first signed lad right he was supposed to be like the next or was it the season before maybe it was 16 17 scoring. i can't remember but so then <laughs> bavillier nelson hosang i do not understand how that that can't be right Wow. Um, and then Kuhlman, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, because this is still uh, when Martin uh, had a cup of coffee over in the Great White North there. So ah, that's right. Wow. Okay. That was a trip down memory lane. That seems like forever ago. That makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so, Bar- you know, Barzell on the wing. This is all because of one little thing. But Barzell on the wing, I think is just opening him up a little bit more and, and to kind of draw a comparison um, to Austin Matthews for a second, who's now, I believe on the penalty kill uh, and there's people, players like Michael Grabner and these really quick players that um, 
whether they're on their PK or they're on the wing, it just opens him up to to strip defensemen and really take advantage of somebody when when they flub the puck a little bit or it 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 pops over their stick or they have bad footing or whatever. I saw it a few times against the Coyotes where he was just able to chip the puck around a defenseman and, and skate around them and nearly get a breakaway yeah. or really, really just take advantage of of a defender that was in a bad position or something. And you're not able to do that at center. You're so much deeper in the zone. And the, I think the biggest thing, and I, I, God, there's so many podcasts. This is 100, episode 165 plus all, all, all sorts of other stuff that we've done, post games and whatever. It's got to be close to actually, I don't know, 180 or something. Whatever the case is, all I've been saying is he needs to play more north-south. And playing on the wing and getting that jump start on the blue line instead of at the hash marks or lower where he does that big Gretzky curl not or the bus turn behind the net and he's trying to get speed. Instead, he's just – his nose is forward. His nose is going into the offensive zone, in the neutral zone. That's so important for him to really get going and, and just be focused on the offense. Obviously, he's got to come down to the hash marks and kind of, you know, you know, play that quadrant in his own zone. But it's not even the responsibility so much as the opportunity that it opens up. So I think we were talking about taking the responsibility away from him. And I think there's there's some truth to that. That's definitely partially right. But I think I guess to be more positive, it's more about the opportunity that it allows him. And again, stripping the puck from a defender, uh, being able to spring forward uh, for a breakaway and and kind of not leave the zone too early, but leave the zone early. And I saw that against the Coyotes, and it it's just abundantly clear that that's going to benefit him and the team in the in the in the long term. He's just almost he's forty percent of the way up the ice. He's only got sixty percent left to go instead of seventy five or eighty percent, and that can only lead to good things. Nassiman Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this October. You know I'll be taking the bet that the Chargers beat the Cowboys at a plus 110 money line. So get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. On to the second line, who was the real star of the show in game one and and continued to be in game two. Um, stats by Zach, shout out, um, doing a really great job. And, you know, they're going to be the the Islanders' analytic darlings. Um but it was clear in the stats, it was clear by the eye test that that line continues to be really good. There's there's parts of me that um, doesn't always like what they're doing, and I think they're getting a little too cute. But I want to get your your two cents on where that line is and um, how they've been able to continue what they put together last season. Yeah, you know, picking up where they left off and. You know, it's funny because I, I, would, I would listen to, you know, a lot of people talk about, like, look, we know what Nelson's going to do. You know, Nelson's going to score. You know, it looked like he had two on on uh, in, in game one, you know, wound up going to Paul Mary. Regardless, he's creating that chance. Uh, Paul Mary, same thing. You know, he's going to he's a volume shooter. He's going to shoot. Um, he's going to grind goals. He gets one, too. Right. 
But I've been listening to what a lot of people have had to say about Pierre Engvall, especially after signing that contract uh, long term. And, you know, they compare him back to what he was in Toronto. He was this tall guy who, uh, big body, who you wanted to see more from, right? And, you know, when, when you really think about the circumstance that he was put in, he wasn't getting top six minutes in Toronto. And just because he's a big body doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play that physical style of game. And he was put in a checking role. Whereas now he's with the Islanders who have, <laughs> they have spots open in the top six, if necessary, um, just because nobody's really a staple outside of Horvat, Barzell and Nelson. Right. I, I guess you could put Lee in there, but you know, nobody's really a staple in that top six. So, Angval comes over and all of a sudden he doesn't have to be that checking forward anymore. He could do as he pleases. And, and what he's good at is distributing playmaking. He's good on offense. And, and you, he didn't get that opportunity to show that because he wasn't going to Trump a Matthews, a Marner, a, a William Nylander, a Tavar. Like none of that was happening in Toronto. So he comes here um, and, and he fits in perfectly with the Islanders and a lot of that has to do with one yes his his skill is very good uh he's a, he's a skill forward um but two you know he has the speed that the Islanders were craving and three he's he's a high IQ player he's really smart um and, and all of that wasn't on display before and he just really rounds out a very good second line that the Islanders have now behind Horvat and, and Barzell which is you know, again, another necessity that the Islanders are going to need uh, to be successful is, is depth scoring. So, yeah, and he's um, ridiculously strong, and if well, he can that, use it, and the, that was the big knock on him in Toronto was that he's so strong and just didn't always use it. And I think I think it's a really good point. He, he's he's not being asked to do that, and when he does, it's a little bit of a surprise. I saw it a, a couple times. Um, for how big he is, sometimes he's a little too easy to knock off the puck. It's it's seen there were a couple times. I know it was late in the shift. There was one in the neutral zone where he got stripped pretty good. Um, but yeah, o- overall, I've been that that line as a whole. Um, there, there's a very natural connection. I think it's a lot like Horvat and Barzell, where you're you're just you, you can clearly see how they're beginning to put plays together and what just feels really natural. You've played, you know, there are certain players that you just jive with you don't really need to talk about it there's little things that you chat about on the bench and you know where but there's so much and guys that i played with growing up i can go skate with now or i have in the past it just feels very natural you you just kind of whether it's the same style or whatever the case is um you can kind of just throw pucks and the other the other player is just there because it's where you're supposed to be it's it's kind of how you've done that that second line plays like that um there's there's really not anybody that one person that shoots is one person that you know Nelson is the most successful goal scorer, but they all seem they all get pucks to the net. They have the same idea. Um, I think sometimes they're overpassing a little bit. I think that's that can be good. Again, you have like I said earlier, you have to get the goalie moving. I think it's a good idea. Um, that can't be the game plan. You're just opening yourself up to get the uh, you know a pass broken up. You know the play kind of. Uh, broken up or whatever but um they're all uh, those top two lines are shooting i think that's the the big takeaway for me and and you mentioned it earlier um the the top two lines are shooting the puck more than we've seen before and i th- i'm not are you worried about are you really worried about that contract of angball I, I there's this there's a length of time thing but I, are you really worried about it the way I see it is the cap is projected to go up to $87 million. That $3 million for seven years is, is soon going to be equal to one and a half now. And by year seven, might be pennies, you know, at, the, at that point. So, I mean, even by year five, might be might be pennies. So, it's it, it, not the greatest at this moment, but it's going to progressively get better and look if he plays great scores 20 goals and let's say 50 points this year sign me up 
like good contract, I'm in. Right now it doesn't 100%. look great, but there's there's a definitely window there for it to change. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's definitely my thought. And um, percentage of the cap, it's going to go down. But something you've mentioned, um, he's probably going to get pushed down the lineup eventually. Yeah, he's not going to be. He's not going to. You know, you could you could talk about Lamorello and how he may never retire and yada 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 but eventually someone else will run the team and, and likely during this angle contract and younger players will come up and that the fourth line Sezikis might be a, a around a bit longer I know he's signed for for a number of more years um, Clutterbuck and Martin will not um, Lee Angval and center you know is a good third line in the future um, or as a, you know, whatever, I, I think that's fine. Even Lee as a future fourth liner um, is is cool with me. So those players eventually just getting pushed down the lineup as effective, um, just not as a in your in your top six and getting getting a lot more minutes. There's so much opportunity for that to happen over seven years. And you figure it out in, in that time that if 50% or more of the contract that player is good. It's a win. You you almost can't expect him to be good hundred percent of the time. If for three or four of those seasons, he can score 15 to 20 goals at $3 million with the cap going up. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'll repeat what you said. Sign me up. Uh, I'm here for that. If in years, maybe four, but definitely five, six, seven, he's not great. Okay. He gets Ross Johnson or whatever. And he's he's an, he's the thirteenth or fourteenth forward. I, what did you think of the third line? I I think the third line is is the right place for Lee. Pajot has been his usual self. Swiss Army knife does a little bit of everything. Uh, and Fashion I thought had a really strong game uh, the other night against the Coyotes. I thought he was a uh, re- really good out there. You know, uh, nothing stands out. Both positive and negative. I thought they've been status quo. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see them get on the score sheet. That's what I would like to see. And I think that's really all, all you could, you could ask for. Lee's going to bang bodies. Peugeot's going to do the same. Fashing is, the you know, the, the Sezikis light. Um, so he's going to do that too. And and that's great. You know, we they, they need that in the bottom six. But I would like to see them get on the score sheet for sure. Yeah, Peugeot and Lee, I can see adding that little <clears throat> boost to offense here and there. I think that's really really important fashing i want him to keep playing his game i do not want him to be nearly as noticeable as last year i don't mean that in a good or bad way he just he he's really just out there as a someone to bang bodies he he needs to just be guy he was he was almost too good for the roster and he stood out in a, such a good way against the backdrop of just inconsistent play and on on this team that when they're healthy seems really solid to me, he needs to be not noticeable. He needs to just go out there and do his job, dump the puck, get the pucks to the net, um, dig it out, and let Lee and Pedro do their job. Um, he just needs to be the workhorse on that line, in my opinion. Um, I really like him. I think Sezikis Light is... Um, I think he, he's a little bit more than the on the light part of that. Um, but I, I, I point taken. Um, he just he just can't be the best player on the ice every single game. He needs to keep doing his thing. But I, I didn't like how one of the outcomes of last season was, okay, Engvall in that second line was good. Hudson fashion. It's, Jesus Christ, we, we got to do better than that. So I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say is the rest of the team needs to catch up to how hard he works every single night. Um, I'd like him to just be more noticeable because he's just doing his job and everyone else is also doing their job. Um, but I agree. I, I definitely see some more scoring from that line. Um, but if they're going to play tight games. They can chip one in every once in a while. And the same goes for the fourth line, who did in in game one against the, the Sabres. Um, yeah. Saw some comments uh, kind of going both ways on this line. Where did... Where do you see them? You know, it's only two games in. Um, it's no secret who they are. They know each other. Um, 
is this something that you think will last all season? Do you, you know, are you getting a sense that maybe uh, Goche kind of draws in every once in a while to give one of them a break, or is it just go, 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 and that's just what they do? No, I, I think it's the latter. Go, go, go. That's what they do. I, I don't think that Gauthier is in the mix to replace any of those three, barring an injury. Um, I think Gauthier is in the mix to replace a Fashing or a Holmstrom, you know, one of those guys who maybe isn't performing and needs, you know, a night off. Um, I got to say, I, I, I was surprised to not see Gauthier start the first two games. Played really strong. I know they signed Fashing to that two-year contract. Holmstrom has built some chemistry with uh, Barzell and Horvat, so I, I could understand it. But I was definitely surprised. I, I had kind of thought for a second there that he had a leg up on on Fashing. But um, you know, to, to answer your first question in regard to the the fourth line, um, yeah, I, I don't see. I this might be their last kick at the can. Uh, so I, I think that they're. <laughs> Unless their limbs are falling off, they're not stepping off that ice. Um, I think they'll be just fine. Is this, you know, are the coaching staff and and Lamorello just are? Was there? A, do you think there's an understanding between that line? Hey, you know, you're gonna go until you until there's you know one of you is injured or whatever the case is, and yep, um, this is a little bit of the last dance situation here. Um, we're not going to yeah. take you out unless you can't go. Yeah, I, I could see that, right? Because, you know, again, just looking at the contracts here, uh, it's it's the last year for Martin. It's the last year for Clutterbuck. The only guy who's going to remain uh, is Casey Zizekas. Now, are they going to, you know, extend these guys? I, I Listen, I've said no in the past. Obviously, I was wrong, but I'd be shocked. I mean, Martin's 34, Clutterbuck's 35. Clutterbuck's being held together by gum and paper clips. Matt Martin, look, I, I've said this before. He he just finds a way to come through when the Islanders need it. He does that. He provides the physicality. He's he's a little bit of a uh, an energizer bunny for the rest of the team when you know he has those shifts with. Zizekas and Clutterbuck where it gets, you know, UBS Arena going and gets the guys on the bench going. But, you know, how long do you want to commit to a guy like that? And, you know, if you ask Lamorello, he'll say 35 isn't old. I'm 81. I get that. We'll see if he's even in charge next year because, again, there's that speculation as to when he's going to retire and, and who might step in. But I think that, you know, there's some cir- circumstances that revolve around the future for them. Where are they at? Where's the GM at? Um, and what's, you know, what's the outcome of this season? What does that look like? So I personally think this is their li- last kick of the can. So I don't see them coming in and out of the lineup, but I do think there is, you know, that even if it's unspoken agreement between everyone, like, look, if this is it, we're going out our way. So I, I, I can't find a way to disagree with that other than, you know, if the team isn't playing well and they need a, a boost, it's easier, especially if, if it's not the rest of the lineup. I think Fashing was always going to be in there. They're really, uh, he was going to lose that spot more than Goche was going to gain access to it. So Goche could have scored five goals every single game in the preseason. It really did not matter. Fashing was going to go into this regular season on that line and not play well and lose it if, if that was what was going to happen. Um, and he hasn't so far. Um, yeah. Interesting. It could be that Holmstrom is um, is replaced there, and I, I would kind of be happy to see it, just because it's a lot of speed adding him. Uh, something that Barzell said during the preseason when they played together that Coach brings a lot of extra speed to that line. Um, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but yeah, I mean, I, I think unfortunately Wallstrom is also in that spot, um, being the extra and, and trying to find a way to come in goche is a little bit more of a kind of fit anywhere in your lineup type player so i would like to see if the others are really going to make the playoffs that fourth line needs to not be hurt and i wouldn't mind every once in a while goche kind of rotating in for either clutterbuck or 
Martin just to, you know, just to get them a little bit of a break. And if the gum wears off or the paperclip is bending a little bit for Clutterbuck or whatever the case is, Martin just hit his 900th career game the other night against the Coyotes. Just give him a break. It, 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 I understand your last kick and you want to go out your way, but um, if you're going to go out your way, uh, it would be a lot better if you were healthy for the playoffs. And if it's looking that way late in the season, give him a break. Especially if, if it's not going to be anything that um, is significant, you know, they're they're in a good position come playoff time. Give them a break. It, it really it doesn't need to be that way. You know, you don't need to just hold on for holding on sake. You, you know, don't do like this Phil Kessel, Keith Yandel thing. It's not games played. You don't have an Ironman streak. Um, you know, do what's best for the team. Hopefully everyone kind of that conversation there. But I, I can understand both sides. Um it's going to be upsetting kind of like a Josh Bailey thing when, when that line isn't together, you know, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll get there maybe one day. We don't have to do that. I, I did definitely, right I did definitely think to myself, you know, when I realized 900 games for, you know, Martin was approaching us. Is it possible? Does he get to a thousand? But I'm not sure he has that much left in the tank. I mean, he is 34, players could play till they're 40 if they have that you know uh if they have that in them you know if their training is good their diet is good and and they're healthy but i just i'm not sure he gets to a thousand i don't know if he has a hundred more games in the nhl left in him i mean if he plays the rest of this season you know for every game he he's three almost nine tenths of the way there yeah it it could be a mix of that and he could be 13th, 14th forward next season. Um, Clutterbuck seems to be the one worse for wear out of the two of them. So it wouldn't surprise me if Martin kind of came back now that Johnston isn't around and draws in occasionally. Um, there's a, there's some off-season things they got to figure out um, af- after this year um, and moving some money around. But uh, we're two games into this year. We won't jump too far. And we still have the defense to get through, which may, might be a little bit uh, quicker. I think the 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 main thing was the Mayfield in, injury. But before we get to that, um, the pairings were uh, against the Coyotes anyway. Uh, Pelik, Dobson, Ro, uh, Romanov, Pulak, uh, Bolduc, Aho. Um, what do you think overall of the defense and are there any pairs that kind of stuck out to you? I know some people had some comments about Dobson's play uh, through the first two games. Yeah. Dobson had good moments and had bad moments. Um, you know, Pellick looked like his usual self. I think Pollock's been pretty strong this year. I, I like what I'm seeing from him. Good on both ends of the ice. We knew he was, you know, he had seasons where he was good one year in the offensive zone scoring 10 goals, you know, 45 points, which was great. And, you know, another year where he was more a defensive guy and playing with Pellick and more of a shutdown role. Um, but I think he's looked real good on both ends of the ice. Maybe he's found, you know, that middle ground this year, um, which would be great. Uh, Mayfield didn't play enough for me to really be able to know. You know, played one game. It was fine. Uh, but didn't really stand out in any sort of way. The one guy, and I mentioned this earlier, that stood out to me the most was Sebastian Ajo. I mean, five shots in his first game, you know, play driving, making really smart um, plays in, in all three zones. There was one, there was uh, def- definitely one shift where in, in the defensive zone two, he won a puck battle along the boards, um, but was surrounded by a number of Coyotes. And, you know, instead of um, making a, a quick decision and, and trying to just get rid of the puck, he displayed good patience. He, you know, made the Coyote player believe he was going one way with the, with the puck and went the other and, and skated the puck away from danger. So we've seen this from him. He shows flashes of being really good. And then he has those games where you just want to rip your hair out of your head and, and you say, what the hell was he doing all game for 15 minutes on, on this night? And... um Look, he's what is he? Twenty eight at this point. I mean, he, he's he's getting up there. Twenty seven, twenty eight. Aho, um, twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Still young. Is he going to break out per se? Maybe not. But if he can at least just be reliable, be be 
sixth or fifth, sixth guy like Thomas Hickey was for so long. That's that's something that that the Islanders could use. They need the depth on the blue line. They they there's a lot of question marks there, especially with Mayfield hurt now. Bulldog, is he ready? We don't know. If Aho could just be reliable, it's a big win. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right about Aho, and he definitely needs to just find some consistency. And again, almost not be noticeable. Do some good things. Be the offensive player that we know that he can be. Get pucks out in a clean way. Um, that play, I think I know exactly what we we're talking about uh, with Aho, is right out of the Adam Pellick book of kind of shiftiness and getting that puck out of your own zone. He's very good with his feet and, and positioning his body to make, kind of make it look like he's going a different way. Um, and that I think I know what the play that that you're talking about um, with Bold Duke. I think he was again he he wasn't noticeable, and I think that's good. I really didn't. I was trying to keep an eye out for him. I think they protected him a little bit. They, I don't think he got a ton of ice time, even against the Coyotes, which might tell you something given um, really kind of who they are, even this season with all the additions that you mentioned earlier. But it was a tight game, so that, you know some good reasons to kind of keep him, um, keep him off the ice and, and keep him a little bit sheltered. Um, but Pelican and Pulak were out there together a little bit, I think, in between shifts. Um, you, you saw them be able to move that puck around so smoothly. Uh, I don't mind at this point they're split up. Uh, the 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 pairings, I think Dobson and Pelic is really good. If Pelic definitely ha- has a little bit more of an offensive flair than um, I think people give him credit for. See his All Star game goal and a couple other things leading up to that moment. Um, and I think it's good for Dobson to have that rock there. I heard he, you know, I, again I, I missed some of the Buffalo game, but I saw that people were disappointed and you know. He's just an offensive player. Um, and I saw that a little bit, you know, I got an assist, a primary assist in the power play goal from Barzell against Coyotes. But you just you need him to kind of, you know, it's either he is what he is or this team is really good defensively. And it's a thin line, right? You want him to score more goals. And then people are going to point out that uh, you're essentially your star defender um, isn't great at defense. So we there's a there's a part of me that we need to pick one as fan base. <laughs> Um, you know, either either help him, you know, Aho and and Dobson. All right, push the pace. You know, yada yada. Um, or they're going to be a good defensive team. It's tough. I see this a lot with, and I'm not saying this is who he is, but I see this a lot with Eric Carlson. Oh well, he's really bad in the defensive zone. Like, well, he scored you 100 points last year, so you give and you you get. So it's. Uh, it's give and take with Dobson, you know, maybe he's just a really good offensive defenseman. Maybe he's not the best defender, but if he's scoring you 50 points, like he did two years in a row from the blue line, who else is doing that on this team? Yeah. There, there are times when he just looks like a forward in the defensive zone, the way that he's going right towards the puck. It's an, there was one play in particular. I think it was on a goal um, against the C a goal against um, that the Sabres scored. And, Dobson's just going behind the net. There's already a guy there. You pick up somebody in the slot. The, the puck's there. Um, you got to find out where it's going next. And it it comes out and right to that player. And Dobson should have had it. And, you know, it went right through his, I think, right through his legs, right over his stick. And you have to, you have to play that a little tighter. You kind of have to have your head on a swivel and see where is the threat coming from? Where is the center? Who is he picking up? Um, and you, you can't have both defenders below the goal line like that, uh, especially if there's just somebody kind of hanging out, one of the forwards. So you, you hope he kind of just figures that out a little bit or does some Eric Carlson or, or uh, Klingberg shit where he just scores you a ton of points and you can kind of overlook it. Um, until then, it's it's difficult. You're, you're going to have those kind of comments hanging around. Um, but by and large, I, I thought the defense was good. And obviously Sorokin already has a shutout. Um I saw a stat, I believe as Rosner said, Sorokin's essentially good for a shutout, uh, one shutout every eight games or eight starts or something crazy like that. Um, already third all-time on the Islanders list, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Well, that, that's Just, what I was going to say. I mean, that was that was what was the surprise to me, is that this is, what, his third full season with the Islanders, and he's already, you know, th- uh, third or fourth all time, yeah, thir- 
third all time after Di Pietro. Uh, no, sorry, he just he just uh, skipped over Di Pietro uh, for most career shutouts in franchise history. You know, Chico Resch has um, twenty five, Billy Smith has twenty two, and Sorokin has seventeen. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> he has the chance to leap Billy Smith even this year if he uh, if he if he can do that. So. Yeah, and he's looked good after, you know, preseason doesn't tell you a whole lot, but it's, you hope it's not a sign of things to come, and he's erased that. He's definitely looked better in the first two games. Um, def- after a shutout, I'm not worried about it. Didn't get a ton of work, and sometimes those are the hardest games when when you're not getting a ton of work and you're cold and you're not moving around. Um, I, I, I You've seen that before, too where it's a struggle when you're, when you're not getting the shots on on net on your own end. So um, good to see that he's you know able to focus and, and kind of stay focused throughout the game, even with a, a low shot count, sub-20 shots against. So definitely not worried there. For, for context here, uh, DiPietro in 318 games had 16 shutouts. Sorokin in 138 games has 17 shutouts. So, I mean, that's, you know, and, and people forget, like, we all like to joke about the DiPietro contract, but right before he was brittle and, and broken, dude was a all-world goaltender. Yeah, it's so, I, that's the part, you know, when I see the contracts, that was a good, co- I mean, it was long and maybe it would have been ridiculous and it wouldn't, you know, whatever. But when it was signed, he was so good. There's a reason why he got that deal. Yeah, man. And he gets a really bad, I, I can't wait till it's just over and everyone just stops talking about it. I think it's next season or it's a few more seasons where they're still paying Di Pietro. It's freaking ridiculous. I know we're free from Yashin at this point. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's a crazy one. I I had something else that you know I was I was looking at that shutout list, and I was surprised not to see Roland Melanson up there somewhere. Can you guess how many shutouts he had when he was with the Islanders from 1980 to 1985? 80 to 85 shutouts. I mean, shutouts were tough to come by that at, at that point. Billy Smith, that's the same era. That's the they were that's, the tandem. It's a good point. Good point. Um, and people forget that too. That Melanson um, and Smith essentially split the regular season for those Stanley yeah. Cup years, and then Smith took it over in the playoffs. I don't know what was it seven eight one. One, <laughs> I I'm I'm I looked at it I looked it up in real time because I'm like how many did, wow he was such a big part of it he played a lot of games for the Islanders during that same period that Smith did so I'm surprised his 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 name isn't kind of high up on that list too um yeah he didn't have he had six in his entire career so wow. um he, he played That's for the Devils shocking for, to me yeah. Played for the Devils for one game too in 1991. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I knew he went to uh, the Kings and North Stars and stuff, but yeah, I was surprised not to see his name up there. It was a little weird. Um, yeah, so the, the Islanders play later this week, um, at least on Saturday. Um, I don't have the schedule up in front of me. Do you know what their deal is the rest of the week? Um, I could pull it up right here on the NHL media site games. All right. So the Islanders play again on Friday. Oh, Friday. They play the Devils back to back Devils and then Um, Sabres Saturday Sabres. And then they play. Tuesday against the Avalanche, Thursday against the Senators, and Saturday. So uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, next week, and then the following um, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. So looks like we're on a 
Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday rotation for a couple of weeks. Yeah, for for a little while. I'm super bummed I can't go to that game on Saturday in Buffalo. Uh, I'm right down Route 90 here, but um, I'll have to catch them a, a different time. Um, any last thoughts before we go into a few more games and we'll try to figure out our schedule for for next week to chat more Owls hockey? No, just, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see more tank bars all. I that's that's just my, that's my biggest storyline for this year. I mean, Horvat is one, you know, for the fact that it's his first full season. You know, excited to see what he has. Angval's another Sorokin for potential Vezina purposes. Um, but I'm just excited for this full season of Tank Barzal. I think this is a big year for him. Yeah, the the re. Re-breakout of Barzell. <laughs> yeah. um, needs to kind of come out of his shell. Um, part two. So it'll be... Yeah, he's he's uh, he's about to reintroduce himself like Jay-Z. I think that's a great uh, great comparison. That, that tells the story, I think. And a good way <laughs> to end the show. Um, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads. In YouTube at Nesman Hockey. Um, definitely make sure you find us on threads. Uh, you never know when the artist formerly known as Twitter is going to um, <laughs> something. I'm, I'm not sure. Every day it seems like some new bullshit is, is happening. So who, who knows? Um, there's a, a fee structure or anything like that. I, I, I don't think that we're going to stick around for that um, personally or for the podcast. So um, definitely try to find us on threads in, in the meantime uh, to, to keep up on things um, you can find James work at New Jersey Hockey now especially when they're playing the Islanders um, and at the fourth period James bring us home until next time all let's go Islanders <laughs>